This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity and Business Podcast, the Becker Business Minute Podcast. We're thrilled today to visit with Andrea Belk Olson. Andrea's got a, an array of titles and things that she does, a brilliant leader. She both teaches entrepreneurial studies at the University of Iowa, one of the great universities in the country. Uh, she's the CEO of Pragmatics. I want to ask her today sort of where she's most focused, how she developed her career, uh, big priorities for this year, and a lot more. Andrea, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Why, sure. Why, sure. Thank you for the preliminary introduction. Uh, of course, uh, my name is Andrea Belk Olson. Uh, I do a wide variety of things, but I really specialize in strategic differentiation, customer centricity, behavioral economics, and really helping organizations find their niche to differentiate and compete effectively in the market. And of course, part and parcel to that is uh, my instruction work that I do at the University of Iowa and their entrepreneurial school uh, with students that are building businesses and have great ideas and wanna launch them into the marketplace. Thank you. And talk a little bit about, you, you started or became CEO of, a, of Pragmatics eight, 10 years ago. You're by background an applied behavioral scientist. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of your career. Then we'll dig deeper into some of the things that you do. Tell us how you ended up sort of doing the interesting things that you, you host a podcast, you run TED Talks, you do so many interesting things. Tell us a little bit about how your career evolved and how you got to the spot. Oh, well, diversity is the spice of life, isn't it? You know, um, for me, you know, my career started uh, actually right out of college. A friend of mine said, hey, do you want to start a tech company back in the 90s? That was the thing to do. And uh, we decided to do that. And actually, for about 10 years, we built a company to a multi-million dollar organization today. Uh, and that experience really gave me this diverse set of touch points into every aspect of business, from building a business to people, to differentiation and strategy and, and how to make money quickly and smartly. So uh, that kind of parlayed into a few stints at some global manufacturers, kind of changing gears there a little bit, and decided to kind of get into the corporate world and taste that for a while. And I was the only female executive at two um, multi-million dollar manu global manufacturing companies uh, and, and tested the waters there. And then after that whole experience, I really found that the biggest problem with organizations isn't the ideas, isn't what they're gonna do to grow, but getting people on board. And that, that was the parlay into behavioral economics and behavioral science and how to actually implement change in an organization to build deep buy-in. I've done extensive articles and writings on this. Of course, published three books, my most recent uh, called What to Ask, How to Learn What Customers Need But Don't Tell You was published in June of 2022. And then actually most recently, uh, an article in Harvard Business Review specifically on change management. And let me ask you another question. You know, our producer today is also a brilliant graduate of the University of Iowa. Hey, hey. A Hawkeye, but earlier on in her career. What advice would you give to young, evolving women professionals about how to, how to approach their, their job, their business, their profession? And any thoughts that you could offer there? You know, that is that is a very good question. And it's it's a hard road to travel because a lot of times in business, there's a lot of male dominated leadership or male dominated environments, depending on the industry. 
So I, I think there's a couple things to consider. One, as, as a female, you need to decide where you want to go and what you want to achieve. And that doesn't mean achieving everything. It means selecting those things that are most important to you and most important to your career and your long-term growth. But second, and I think even more importantly, is understanding the environment you're in. And every individual, no matter what their background, has different motivators. And you have to take that macro view of the organization and understand those levers and decide what is the right thing and the right timing and the right people to get on board to get a new idea through an organization or any significant change through an organization. And then thirdly, I would say, stay confident. Don't, don't beat yourself up too much if something didn't work or something you know, stalled uh, for a period of time. It just means that you need to re-triangulate your approach and think about how you can get more useful feedback and information from your peers and uh, superiors around you to find a way to make that happen. Thank you. And, and on a follow-on question, really a, a different area, you're by background an applied behavioral scientist. Um, and, and, and talk about, there's so much discussion about optimization versus behavioral. And, and, and people talk about sort of, I talk about all the time, behavioral finance versus all the, all the analytical people throw at you and, and trying to meld the two together. Because we could all know that 100% equities portfolio might be the right thing over the course of 80 years, but for us actually living that, most of us couldn't stomach that personally from a behavioral standpoint, an emotional standpoint. How do you sort of mold this issue of very bright people, but also looking at product fit and trying to figure out how do things actually work for the customer versus just what analytical people think is a smart idea? How do you merge these concepts of the analytics with behavioral science? Well, you know, behavioral science really has been making its forays significantly, at least here in the U.S., into the kind of UX side of things, that usability. Can you nudge people one way or another in certain behaviors? And really, that's driven from a consumer perspective, right? As a company, we want to try to get someone to fill out a form or, you know, uh, sign up for some type of subscription. And so we tweak those micro interactions. The problem is, is that within an organization, there's a lot more moving parts and that kind of micro view isn't really as applicable. So when we're looking at making big decisions and trying to be consistent over the long term without getting distracted by, you know, shiny objects, if you will, uh, that really dives into the, the kind of cognitive bias side of behavioral science and understanding what those kind of fallacies are that cause us to make a U-turn or you know, stop and not act on a new opportunity or decision or change too quickly when we're trying to wait to see if something actually manifests into significant growth. So there's a wide variety of those out there. There's wonderful information online. I mean, everything from uh, Maslow's hammer to bike shedding. These are kind of cognitive shortcuts that really impact our behavior and more importantly, decision-making because honestly, you know, 99% of the decisions we make are based on emotion rather than logic. And so if we can start separating uh, emotion a little bit more from the logical business side of things and see that long-term picture, uh, we can make better decisions in the long run. 
You spent some time. You spent time with Harvard Business Review. You spent time running a TEDx forum. Uh, you know, what makes a great HBR article? I, I know over the course of my life, I've read certain HBR Harvard Business Review articles that I absolutely love, and then there's some that I'm like, okay, that was okay. But once in a while, I remember some that were just great. TEDx talks are similar. I've right. watched enough TEDx talks over the course of my life that I remember a few that really stood out to me, where somebody really hit something in a way that really resonated, really made sense to me. What makes a great TEDx talk? What makes a great HBR article? You know, that's a great question because they're actually very, very similar. And the hardest part about a TED talk and the same with uh, an HBR article is about narrowing it down to one idea and then using the rest of the content to reinforce and re-illustrate that idea in a different way. So the problem with many uh, TED, TED Talk applicants we have is they want to you know, put 10 pounds of stuff into a one pound box and it's not doable, right? You don't have the time and luxury to do that. So you know, HBR has gotten a bit into these kind of you know, common ho-hum subjects, but they are very focused. And I think the challenge with standing out and doing something different just like a TED Talk is looking at something in a different way, taking a different angle or packaging it or framing it or comparing it in a way that is something that no one has really considered or thought about before, diving deeper, but into that one singular idea. You had mentioned earlier when talking about career advice for young professionals, young women, young leaders, this idea of really having to ultimately make choices as to what's important to you. What do you want to be great at? Where do you want to focus? It, it seems similar to what you're talking about here. When you mentioned stuffing 10 pounds into one pound box, it seems so many of us in life are trying to do so many different things. And that sometimes then by, by definition, we end up not great at any of them or all of them. So how do you sort of go about some of those choices of choosing What's really important to focus on? That seems to come back to both this TED Talk concept, the Harvard Business Review concept, and to building a great professional career or, or life. How, how do you make some of those choices? How do you, how do you think about those things? I, I look at it in somewhat of an investment perspective, and I try to think about compounding. I try to think about what I'm spending my time on and if I can utilize that in a way that compounds its value. So if I'm, if I'm writing an article for HBR, I look at that and say, how can I package that in a way that's valuable to one of our clients? Can I package that in a way that's maybe an instructional tool? Can I, can I do something else with it that helps me grow as a professional? So you think about that journey and you take each of those items and say, how can they work together? And how can they help me as a system get to whatever I'm trying to achieve? But that choice of what you want to achieve, we have to be careful about not getting into the trap of thinking that we can be everything and do everything because you'll never be really great at one thing. You'll just be pretty okay at, at quite a few. So I think it's about compounding and I think it's about focus, just like a TED Talk. Thank you. When you look at, we're, we're now through almost the first quarter of 2023. It's amazing that's happened, I guess, into the, the end of the first quarter. To think it does a quarter for a second, but what are you most excited about and focused on this year? When you look at this year, Andrea, what are you most excited about? I know I talked to you a little bit about teaching undergraduates or grad students in that experience as well, but, but talk to us first about what are you most focused on this year? You know, it, it's hard because every year I try to focus on somewhat of the same things 
to grow and develop consistently, kind of that continuous improvement philosophy. So what I'm really excited about is actually diving into new areas or areas that I consider my own personal background and my knowledge weaker. So uh, one of the things that I'm doing is actually diving into quite a few board positions. Uh, I've had some basic background in boards, uh, especially nonprofits, but I'm expanding that into uh, some major business and for-profit boards that I'm very excited about. And that's going to be a whole new exposure for me and a whole new uh, perspective that that I haven't seen uh, too often because I'm usually the one presenting to them. So it's nice to, to flip that script. Uh, but also, you know, that personal continuous improvement, really doing a lot more reading in key areas and picking up some great books and saying, what can I do to help expand my knowledge base? So then I'm seeing things from a broader perspective from different people's viewpoints. Let me comment on one thing you said. You said something about focusing on a couple of places where you're a little weaker. And I think this is so fascinating towards the evolution of a professional, the evolution of a person, is that we spend so much time in our 20s and 30s. And you'll let me know if this resonates with you or not in a moment. We spend so much time you know, focusing on whether it's in business or personally, doubling down on our strengths, whether whatever it is, business, sports, personally. And we're taught the hardcore and we, and we get benefits, so many benefits and rewards from doubling down on our strengths. And then it seems like we come to a point where we've doubled down on our strengths, but to go a little bit further, to grow a little bit more. It's almost like the concept, the book title, what got you here won't get you there. At some point, we come around to a different spot. Well, instead of just doubling and tripping down our strengths, we're at some point trying to address a couple of our weaknesses. Talk to me about whether that resonates with you or what you're seeing there. I know for me, and I'm older than you are, at sort of this, this next stage of middle age, I'll call it middle age, you know, now <laughs> starting to focus again on some of my weaknesses, sure. which I hadn't, I, I did, I'd done so well focusing on my strengths, and I haven't done enough of that, but I find myself really drawn to the challenge, the interest, the excitement of working on some of my weaknesses. Any thoughts about that as you look at this concept of really working on someone's weaknesses or things that they're not as advanced in? Yes, I do have a few comments on that. You know, one, I agree. It's incredibly exciting to develop yourself in those areas that have maybe been intimidating or you know you're not really as confident in. But I think more importantly, and this is also to potential women leaders out there too, is that if you want to run a company or if you want to be, you know, high up in an organization, you need to understand how that entire organization operates. And I'm not talking about just simply processes, but if you have somebody that's the head of IT reporting to you, if you have someone that's head of finance reporting to you, you need to basically understand how their job works. You need to be able to speak their language. You need to be able to understand the information they give to you and be able to spot things that are important questions and say, this doesn't look right. Not micromanaging, but understanding their scope of responsibility in a way that you can contribute to their success and they can contribute to the organization's success. So that diversity and knowledge is critical for future leaders. Thank you very, very much. I promise you I get you off of this call by, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. So I'm going to finish with one last question. Sure. I, I promise we'll, 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 we'll get you to where you have to go. But, but Andrew, you, you teach at the University of Iowa, and I think there's this greatness in teaching. I always wonder who benefits more, 
the, the teacher or the student. I, I, I love your thoughts, and I always find love to benefit the students, but I find when I teach, when I coach, I do other things, I'm the prime beneficiary of that. Any thoughts on that? It, it, oh. And what I mean by that is I love it so much. It's so fulfilling and satisfying that it, it's almost selfish because I, I like it so much. I feel like it's almost sometimes less about – it should be more about just the students and, and the athletes and whoever it is that we're coaching or teaching and less about oneself. But there is a love for it, isn't there? There is. And I mean, that, that selfish feeling, I, I will tell you, I've had that as well. You know, that, that gratification of when they accomplish something big or they have this enlightenment moment or they move their business forward. You know, you feel emotionally tied to that. But I think that gratification really is just like raising a child, right? You're, you're really investing a lot of time into someone and their personal development, and you're going to have some satisfaction with it. But what they're going to gain from it is that insight and knowledge and perspective that maybe they hadn't considered. And one of those small nuggets might be the big turning point in their career. You just never know. And so that's the most exciting part. It's all a surprise. Andrea Olson, Andrea Belk Olson, I, I want to thank you for joining us. Again, CEO of Pragmatics, Applied Behavioral Scientist, fascinating career, teaches at University of Iowa, Entrepreneurial Studies, doing so many different interesting things. What a great leader. Andrea, thank you so much for joining the Becker Private Equity Business Podcast. Today. What a pleasure. Oh, thanks. It's been a blast.